up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is episode 51. Uh, and we got a familiar face coming back to talk about uh, a topic that I've been grappling with for a while. I just didn't, I don't know, I was a little worried about uh, putting my foot in my mouth a little bit on this one, but uh, it Amber is somebody that I've had similar conversations with before, not on the podcast. Uh, We've known each other for a long time, and it was something that I felt really needed to be addressed, especially as we've discussed emotional intelligence on the podcast and uh, just a lot there that I wanted to to break down and address some of the issues that that I've seen and think things that I've encountered, just challenges and and barriers to communication effectively that uh, we talked about just Uh, cultural competency, which is something that is a part of social work and just really drilled down to how we need to work to be emotionally intelligent people so that we can be better leaders. So uh, check it out. Uh, All right. So I won't go through like for anybody that doesn't know your background, we did uh, an interview a while back. So go back and listen to that. Um, and get, I mean, you can cover anything that you want to at the end and just say, Hey, this is how to get hold of me, but we can just jump right into the actual conversation piece, which, um, it's kind of like, I've been talking about it a lot lately with a lot of people, uh, about emotional intelligence. And it's like been this theme. It just keeps coming up and coming up. It's one of those things like I can't escape it. (laughs) So I'm like, I wanted to build it into what we already had, like, uh, teed up to talk about, which it's like, there's this piece that seems to be missing from a lot of leadership conversations. And I can tell you that like on my way up, the only emotional intelligence I had was what was programmed into me by my parents before I got here. Like I, it wasn't, I didn't learn this somewhere. It was just like, this is how I was raised and this is how I treat people. Um, some of which I'm sure developed just based on my relationships with people that I knew and, and whatever. And as I matured, but um, it was never talked about. It was never like, this is, how you uh, can relate better to your sailors of different contexts and backgrounds. And this is how you can have a conversation, like a difficult conversation with a sailor when they're having a hard time or, or when you see red flags like that present as disciplinary issues, that this is how you kind of deconstruct that to get to the root of it and be like, how did you actually end up here? Like what happened? And you gave a really great example a minute ago when we were talking before I hit record. And it's just like, Like, why were you as a probably GM two or GM three, the only one asking that question? And I'll let you like talk about that piece of it. But God, like, it frustrates me a lot that like, that's not a normal thing that's programmed into us as leaders. Yeah, we had um, a sailor on my ship who was just having um, some behavioral issues, but the main one was just being late constantly. Um, By the time I had spoken to her, she had already had about three counseling chits already. And I kind of just sat down and I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? And she starts talking to me and she's like, oh, well, you know, I took an Uber and it was late. And I'm like, wait, why, why are you taking an Uber? Yeah. And then, you know, I said, do you have a car? And she said, no. So then for me, the whole anything I was going to say kind of was out the window because this is an issue that we need to be addressing. And I was right. surprised that I was the only person who had spoken to her who found out she didn't have a car like all the you know people are writing counseling chits for her before she even got to work handing it to just, her at the door yeah. just for her to sign it and then move on but nobody actually took the time to sit down and ask the questions of hey why are you late what's going on you know and then found out it was i mean this we just sat down for a conversation it wasn't like it was getting real deep mm-hmm. and she told right. me she told me right off the bat like well you know i was taking an uber i don't have a car so, and that conversation you know. should have happened three counseling sheets ago. That's right, like what I exactly. don't. Why? 
So like building in just basic human decency in into our interactions, it's like, why was the very first occurrence not like a sit down where we're like, hey, what happened? Why? How did we get here? Why were you late? Oh, because I had to take an Uber. Oh, what? Why are you taking an Uber? Like the exact same conversation you had, like figuring out what need isn't being met. Like, why are you late? Because you don't have basic transportation to get from where you live to work. Oh, well, that's a problem I can fix like right. real quick. And and I fix that. There's no counseling sheets. There's no performance issue. There's no nothing. And it's like, instead, I feel like we kind of get programmed sometimes into this, like, it just administrative, like hamster wheel of, oh, well, she's late, write her a counseling sheet. Oh, she's late again, write her another counseling sheet. And it's like, and then you get a stack of them and then she's at DRB. And because we have the stack of admin, we're not going to listen to anything she says there either, even though right, that's the whole exactly. point of a DRB. And then, you know what I mean? And then you just yeah. go down that rabbit hole. And it's like, how many like bright, high functioning sailors could we have diverted right back onto the right path by taking the time to just be an emotionally intelligent creature and have that conversation? Like I, I get, I just blows my mind. And it's like, why are we not asking those questions? Like, what do you need? Like, why? Um, I know. And um, so I'm a social worker and yeah. um, a big thing is like how, you know, boundaries and kind of how to draw that line um, yeah. with, for us, it's the opposite of the military for the military. It's like, you need to be super professional all the time. So it's like, yeah. we need to teach people how to be human, but in a social work side, it's like, we're all way too human and want to hug every single client and love <laughs> everybody. And like, yeah. you yeah. know, fix everything and we have to draw that line to like be more professional but yeah. i just feel like you know being courteous and being kind are th- are professional you know it's professional right. to say good morning to somebody and just how is your day to ask questions and i think right. sometimes in the military we just really forget that human side and then mm-hmm. at the same time we as social workers are constantly talking about cultural competency where it's just like being culturally competent to the group of people that you are serving. So if you are, you know, a second class or first class and you're in a shop and your shop Mm -hmm. is, you know, a lot of Asian people, a lot of black people, a lot of Latino people, then you need to get in there and learn about that culture so that you can better service the people that you're serving. And I'm not telling you to go out and like get Rosetta Stone and learn the language and like (laughs) learn how to cook or anything like that. But I think that you know, it'd be good for you to learn how, you know, the dynamic of females in, you know, certain cultures are because I, yeah, I had a guy, an African guy who mm-hmm. <laughs> this man, oh my goodness. He, I think he could really make me angry, like more angry than anybody is okay. maybe ever made me angry before because he was just so defiant, but I started doing my Googles and just uh, looking up like where he was from in Africa and the culture and stuff. And he yeah. just did not really ever have a female leader or believe that women should really be in leadership. Okay. That's like, kind of what I was thinking yeah. in my head just now. I was as like, you, I bet you. Yeah. As it went on, our relationship got way better. But I think yeah. it honestly got better once I understood that and I stopped taking yeah. it really personally. Because at first okay. I would just be so mad and hurt and just like... <laughs> And just feel like, well, yeah. I'm your second class. You're going to listen to me. Like, yeah, and he which would never, just, I mean, that doesn't work with anybody, really. Like, <laughs> when I tell you this man would stand at attention and not look me in the eyes, like he would not wow. look me in. The, and I would just be like, 
But after that, like, I can honestly say once I left that command, like, we had a very good relationship. And I just really (laughs) tried to understand why he was like that. Because I would see him interact with other people and it wasn't the same. So I was like, is it something that I'm doing that he hates or, you know, kind of what's going on? But taking that extra five minutes to say, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know everything. I'm black and he's black, but I have no idea where he comes from (laughs) in Africa or what his traditions are or anything. So I couldn't even pretend to even understand his background. So I definitely had to kind of like do some research in it. And that's where like cultural competency comes into play where you're just like, Hey, I'm trying to help these people or these are the people that are under me. So maybe I need to understand a little bit of like, and it doesn't have to be a specific culture. Like it could be Mm -hmm. um, an area. Like if you're, if I'm, I'm Northern, if I was leading a bunch of people from the South, I would definitely have to, yeah, I would probably have to speak to them different than I would speak to somebody who grew up in New Jersey or grew up in Pennsylvania where I grew up because we're going to talk to each other (laughs) and Southern people are going to hear us and think we're super rude and have no manners (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you know but it's just that difference that you have to just you know look yeah at it was and- funny i used to during field days um i'm assuming you guys called them the same thing where we'd clean the ship uh, uh yeah <laughs> yeah okay i'm just checking sometimes <laughs> there's silly things <laughs> there's silly things like that i fe- i assume are like a navy-wide term that aren't so um yeah so during field days i'd have like a little bluetooth speaker on the mestex and i would play my music through it while the guys cleaned and then i'd help them clean um, and so I, I went out there, uh, I forget, I had like a playlist or something and it started playing like, uh, I think it was logic first and then like Talib Kweli started playing and like, they're like, what, <laughs> like, what do you know about Talib Kweli? And I'm like, all kinds of stuff. What do you want to know? And that like, it opened this window to like their backgrounds and they were willing to talk to me more and like they, cause they could relate to me. Like we liked yeah. the same thing. And it was just like, it was interesting to see that happen. And that's kind of. That was one of the many things that like started to spark my curiosity about like, oh, okay, like I just got to find things that I can like make little connections on to be able to relate better so I can communicate better. Because like, like I was telling you before, I had this kid, great kid um, that he grew up in a really bad area in Oakland uh, and I'm still like as white as you can possibly get. He's (laughs) he's a black kid. And so. Um, just his background, like he grew up in a, in a rough neighborhood and like a ton of cultural differences, a ton of just like, like things he would say, like slang terms that I'm just like, what the, I don't know what that means. So I'd, I'd ask him, but like, I was super, I've always kind of been almost like stupidly like, uh, curious where like, I'll ask anybody, what does that mean? Like, and I'll like, just play dumb. I don't care. Like, I don't care if it makes me look stupid. Um, but like they, they would, they would entertain me. And then, uh, and me and him kind of connected on a couple of those things, like the music thing. And then um, it took me a while to figure him out, but I did. And luckily, just some normal leadership stuff worked with him where I was able to like motivate him to do a good job. And and he was a really internally motivated kid anyway. He just wanted to do his work and go home. And it was like, so if you approach it that way, you'd get really far with him. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I put him in charge of some stuff. And like he did really well. And 
the next chief that relieved me figured him out, out even better. And it was, it was pretty great. Uh, he told me the story where he's like, yeah, I, I'm like this kid, he's always coming up to me at like lunchtime. He's like, all right, all my stuff's done. Can I go home? And he's like, I, I just want him to like understand that there's more to do. And I want him to be like proactive and take charge of things. And his wife just like looks at him and deadpans like, why don't you just give him more to do? And it's like, <laughs> right. If you, if you, if you, you know, give me something to do and I'm done, I yeah, don't want to have to, I don't, I want to go home. Right. And but. he wasn't complaining. <laughs> like he wasn't complaining about the work and like that it was too much work or that like he just was, wasn't complaining about staying late unless he didn't have anything to do. So the guy turns around and gives him a bunch more work to do. And so he did it. Never complained. All great work. You know what I mean, and then we would get to when like normal Liberty would go down and, he, that's when he was finishing up his work and shockingly that you know what I mean like it seems yeah. really stupid but that's what worked and so like uh just with those types of of like cultural differences like it's interesting that I wrote that down cultural competency because it's something that I like that's another thing that I think is really linked to emotional intelligence where it's like I don't think we think about those things and I think a lot of times certain leadership problems that I've encountered are based on barriers that there's just a difference in culture or background or context and it could be like sex religion race whatever and it's something that it's we just approach everybody like they're the same and it's yeah, like yeah there's a there's a baseline humanity there that's really similar but like outside of that there's just so many layers built on top of that that and the I people don't, that aren't the same aren't considered other you know it's like right. it's the standard for you know americans is always you know white men white women like that is the standard so when you have other cultures we're always looked at as kind of like secondary culture so like yeah. that's why we're looked at as like oh well you're not fitting in to the cult you know to the yeah, norm or yeah. like you're not fit living up to the standard and it's like well, well whose standard is this well and that's what's weird is like in the military it's like we're we're saying that's the standard. It's not like I'm not trying to get anybody to conform to my background or culture. I'm just trying to get people to succeed within the construct of the Navy, yeah. like it or like it or hate it. Right. Like it's like I and but I feel like when you approach those conversations, it gets translated as what you just said. Right. Where it's yeah. Like, yeah. I'm telling you that you the way you're doing it's wrong. So, you know, you're and it's because you're like a second class citizen or something. And I'm just like, right. Right. It's not what I mean. But like <laughs> I have well, a hard like, time. You communicating it. <laughs> when you had brought up the music thing like when i was in mm -hmm. uh worked in the shop like there was only three black people in there and like three women um but you know everybody was allowed to play their own music when they were standing watch but mm -hmm. if you wanted to play rap you weren't allowed to play rap it's no rap crap but you could play literally anything else yeah lots of country but like you weren't allowed to play rap. So to, like, what does that say to people automatically right. right off the bat? It's like music is something like you found that brought everybody together and like, yeah. hey, we like a lot of similar things. But right off the bat, you're telling me I can't listen to something and play it out loud. But you don't have a reason besides you don't like that or, you know, yeah. whatever. And I mean, the only counter to that that I can think of, but it would apply to all music, is that like there were times where guys would play like super inappropriate yes. music. And I'm yeah. like, well, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to I'm going to need you to turn that off. Like there's a. Oh, no. At some, a school, yeah. people would be trying to play some ratchet <laughs> stuff. And I'd be like, you yeah. need nope. you need to play that in your headphones. Because yeah. these people yeah. out here don't need to be hearing. It's about just. That. Yeah. We're in a work environment. <laughs> we're on a military base. Like there's just certain things. That, yeah. <laughs> so and I kind of I wanted to ask earlier, but like the what is the best way 
Cause I, like I said, I'm just the stupid question PO. Like I'm that guy where like you and I would sit down and I would ask you questions about like African-American culture and like how, like, especially with all the crazy stuff we were, we were together in Virginia when there was a ton of like racial tension going on. Like there was like white supremacists marking, marching through a park in Richmond. And I'm just like, what is happening? Charlottesville Um, was so close to us and it was, it was honestly so scary. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I was, well, I'm not going to talk about what I I was, (laughs) I have a concealed carry permit and I was always traveling with a firearm. Um, Just because people are nuts, not because of any like group I was worried about. It was just like, this is crazy. Like they were like having like battles. I just watched a documentary about it and it was bananas because I'm like, I've been there. Like (laughs) it was this crazy thing about like these white supremacists and Antifa. It's like, I forget what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. On Netflix. So, but it was, um, what, what's the best way for a dude like me? And I'm like, fully willing to admit like I'm a white dude that grew up in a white area. I mean, I had a couple of friends that were of other like nationalities and races and and religions and stuff, but not many. I had like one gay friend that I met when I was a teenager, that kind of thing. And so it was like, how do I become more culturally competent? Like what's the besides Google searches? Like what is the best (laughs) way? Because I was always worried that a like if I just read books and like search stuff online, that it would be like this emotionless like thing where it would be hard for me to make any kind of a connection because the music thing was just dumb luck. Like I grew up around that type of thing. And I I liked really like the very first rap song I ever heard was a Tupac song off All Eyes on Me. And I was like, holy crap, like I'm a I'm that guy's amazing because it was like poetry to me. And I'm just like, this is really cool. And I liked Tupac was a poet and he was a writer. He, He wrote. Yeah. And I, I did too. Like I had a little fun fact about me, a little, little tidbit. Not many people know I'm a published poet and nice. uh, yeah, library of Congress, no big deal. So they, uh, I was, I was really interested. So I went down, like I went and learned about more artists that, that made music that way. So like most F Talib Kweli, like all those guys that were really lyrical and it was like, they were like poets, they were telling stories and I thought it was amazing. But then like that was an accident that just happened because yeah. I heard Tupac and I really liked it. So I'm like how besides just asking stupid questions, which I feel like can be perilous depending on who you're talking to in the world we live in now. It's like how does somebody, anybody really, because anybody can be in this position um, like you were saying, right? Like you're a black woman and you were in a position with another black man that was from a totally different area in the world that yeah. you ran into that kind of like barrier where you guys weren't communicating what you thought you were to each other. Um, how, how does somebody gain that cultural competence? Like what's the best way to do it? Do you think? I think, um, well, first I think research is always kind of good just to like get yeah. a little bit of background. Um, right. so you're not totally going into it blind and then yeah. just reading the room <laughs> and (laughs) making sure like you know there's going to be some people that you can't ask some questions to you know right right get to know the person a little bit first and yeah and um but don't be afraid to just ask questions and if you have to preface it with kind of like i'm trying to learn i'm trying to understand um, right but just asking like you know about people's backgrounds and and where they grew up and just not assuming things you know hey what kind of music do you like what kind of movies do you watch um you know, could you find that people live in this little bubble? I had a girl who was in my shop. There was like a new Tyler Perry movie coming out, something stupid. And me and the other two black people were talking about it. 
And she was like, oh, I've never seen that. And I was like, well, you should. It's hilarious. Like, you should watch it. And she was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, well, why not? I think we had like the movie or something. And she was like, well, isn't it a black movie? Like, am I going to get it? You know, is it going to (laughs) be like funny? Her movies are funny. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, and I was just I never even thought of that. I never thought that like people really considered movies like I know there's black movies, but I watch stuff that has only white people in it because it's a movie and it was made. Yeah, it's good. So, but just with her asking that, it's like people aren't even sure if they can watch a movie. Like they're gonna understand it. Yeah. I'm America. <laughs> I'm American. I live in America. Like yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wonder, may not. I yeah, yeah. And I, so I think just like trying to find those similarities and like yeah. what people really like to do i was a gunner's mate i was an armory so like we all had that connection of guns but yeah. we definitely had cultural differences of what guns we liked okay. and what guns we like to shoot <laughs> because some guns are a little bit more redneck and some guns are a little yeah, bit more sure. hood you know <laughs> but you could come together on that you know like yeah as a cs you can come together on food because you know everybody yeah. loves food <laughs> Right. And it can it can really tell a story, but I think food really humanizes a culture and humanizes people and it yeah. allows people to really kind of just like understand. But also I think an important thing is knowing that this needs to be done. Like in social work, yeah. they push cultural competency as, you know, one of the main pillars of social work that you need to know and you need to understand and yeah. be continually doing. So you have to lifelong continually learn and continually be cultural competent but somebody's also kind of in your ear telling you that because you have to follow these standards so i think the military just needs to have that you know somewhere where it's like reminding you know yeah like i'm like make it normal (laughs) to talk about like and that's why i go back to like i feel like it would be something that just needs to be packaged as emotional intelligence too because or or something like that like a bigger umbrella because we talk about like diversity and it's like that's cool but like well, I they do think such we... a good job with like the cultural months in the military. Yeah. I think that is honestly one of the best things and one of like the best ideas they've ever For had. Sure. But in that, you have to make it new. So like when you're doing yeah. Black History Month, you have to make you have to focus on things that are happening now and not stuff yes, that happened 400 yeah. years ago. So you that's need to focus on. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to focus on yep. like musicians, focus on new musicians that are happening now not people that were singing in the 40s and in the 20s and stuff like focus on new things to be able to teach each other's generations and each other's cultures new things so like you can go for pacific islander you know month you can learn something that's going on right now with pacific islanders with their you know their millennials like what issues are they facing you know what issues are like native american people facing right now yeah um, and that I think would help kind of like, cause it's and already I, there. The bones are yeah. there for them to yep. really include things, but I think they just have to really take it to another personal level and history is living and it's history is happening now. So right. it doesn't have to be something old. It doesn't have to be slavery. Right. It doesn't have to yeah. be the Holocaust. It doesn't have to be like <laughs> Japanese internment. It can yeah. be something that's happening now and something maybe that's happy 
you know, a little, and, yeah, a little less emotionally charged. Little, Jeez, right. like picked all the crazy examples. <laughs> yeah. And I like, for me, it's like the awareness of it and just talking about it, but also like the cultural, the cultural heritage months may or may not be the best time to do this, but I just, because we're already talking about it, like if I could, as, as somebody that doesn't like, I mean, I lived in Hawaii for four years, but how much cultural like exposure that I get living on like in that because there's this little bubble around that gigantic military base where you yeah. don't get exposed to that much so it's like to be able to like hang out with people and ask those types of questions about their culture and heritage and and like learn those things without feeling like I don't know like you're gonna stumble or say something stupid or like offend someone and because it's like that's something that I even I struggle with that I'm like like I want to learn, but I also don't want to offend anybody. So like that there are people that I trust that I ask those questions of, but it's like, there are so many cultures and like <laughs> religions and like everything. It's like, I couldn't possibly know somebody personally that I also have built a rapport and trust with that I could like sit down one-on-one and have those conversations with. So it'd be really cool if like that was something built into those cultural heritage months. And it's like where somebody is having that type of a conversation. Like I was telling you, um, my friend messaged me like a potential podcast guest. And like one of her things is like, she posted on social media, like as a, uh, a trans military member or veteran, like this is who I am. And if you want to learn more about a trans person, like there's like this, uh, it was like a picture with a bunch of questions and they were numbered and just like comment a number and then I'll answer that question. And so it's like, that kind of stuff just where like somebody because I know I know next to nothing about trans people like I've never met one in real life I've never like I just don't know and it's so it's like what's the best way to learn like um I I don't know and I think have a conversation questions that like you would want to answer yourself so like I know that with trans people a lot of people jump to like well are you pre-op or post-op and yeah, and that was like the asking, one question that I think her thing that she's like, I'm not answering that about their genitals is kind yeah, of strange, right? Because I, I wouldn't ask you about right. yours. Like, I wouldn't go up to a man and say, "Are you circumcised or are you uncircumcised?" Yeah, because that's honestly not my business. And but it's a similar it's, question. <laughs> yes, like, which would be, I right. would be like, "What? Get away from me!" Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like how you just have to keep in mind what I want somebody to ask me this and like. How would I feel about this? I remember there was um, a girl got asked about her weave, her hair extensions that she had Mm -hmm. in her hair. And like a white woman asked a black woman in front of everybody super loud. Oh, my God. Is that your real hair? And like you could hear a pin drop. It got quiet. Like all the black people looked like they were going to fight this poor woman. (laughs) And I remember afterwards, like she was crying and stuff. And she was like, I don't understand. And I remember just asking her, like, would you want somebody to say that out loud in front of everybody like that for you? Right. And she was like, well, I didn't even think about it like that. I said, exactly. I said, yeah. if you were one on one and you started asking her questions about her hair. Oh, my God. I love your hair. It's pretty. Like, yeah. where did you get it done? Is this your real hair? How do you do it? Like, what's the process? Like, How long? I guess- that would have been a different conversation than her just okay. like. That's what I was going to ask was like, is because in a vacuum, blurting it out in front of everyone <laughs> that I could see as being kind of embarrassing for the person being asked. But like the in the context of that conversation being one-on-one, I feel like that's, is a question I might ask. Cause like, 
I don't know. How, like I, I vaguely know what a weave is just because like you <laughs> and some other people have explained it to me, but like, I don't really like understand it and know what it is and what it means and why it happens. Yeah. So it's like, cause me, well, you don't and I have feel bad some... because legitimately black men barely know what a weave is. So, like... <laughs> but like, I'm curious too. So it's like, and you and I had conversations <laughs> in the context of like female hair regs all the time because of the a school environment we were in. Yeah. But it was like, and so you and I talked about like black female hair and how it like how it was cared for and how it worked and stuff like that because we were having a conversation about the hair regs and it just naturally went that direction. But I remember one like, time when you left, we had a black girl who mm-hmm. dyed her hair atrocious mm-hmm. color, and nice. it was the whole conversation of like, well, she needs to dye it back some fix it. And I literally was like, this girl Can't. will be bald head. <laughs> If we have her dye her hair today because she can't like and I was having a conversation with like four grown men trying to explain the difference between like black hair, white hair, Asian hair, like the three major hair types and what's the (laughs) difference and why this woman would have no hair if you made her. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, how do we say she did something wrong? And yeah. punish her for it, but then also allow her to take the time needed to fix her hair without right. it well, looking like we're going to, yeah. without it and looking like favoritism or anything like that. But like, and I was like, well, I don't know the answers to that question uh, yet. Yeah. And I know? don't, I don't know the context entirely, <laughs> but like at, in an A school environment, cause we had, do you remember, I don't know if you were there yet. We had a, a girl go do like um well it was two of them actually they went together and got like blonde highlights yes, in their dark brown hair okay <laughs> I do. so they made her wear a wig at graduation and i was just like thinking about it like look does she have the uniform regs memorized for female hair did she know ahead of time i'm not saying she didn't but did she do like can we did we have that conversation before we flipped out and told her to go buy a wig if she wanted to walk and graduate like you know how silly that is? And it ended up being hilarious because she threw it up in the air at the end of graduation like a hat because because I gave her permission to while glaring at her instructor. But it was like I it was it became a really funny thing and like the class pictures and stuff. But it was just like how embarrassing was that for her? Like how right. destroyed was her like right. like self-esteem, self-confidence, whatever. She was super embarrassed in front of all of her, all of her classmates, I'm sure. But it's just like I mean, did we have that conversation? Like, look, we know, do the paperwork, have the conversation, but like the... Because I I remember us having this conversation and I did not know that she couldn't do that. And I had already been in the Navy for like, you know, six years, five years. You're talking about the blonde highlights? With the highlights, like I'd never really seen them like kind of done like that, but I had seen people, (laughs) those were a little extreme, but (laughs) those were a little egregious, but yeah. I had, you know, seen other people with similar hairstyles throughout my Navy career and I didn't realize like specifically that was a thing. And so I just remember being like, wow, you know, I'm learning something new and I like to read stuff and I like to read instructions and, and know things and I kind of was just I was ignorant to that fact because I don't dye my hair. So I would have never really asked those questions for myself or researched it for myself because that honestly was something that really didn't apply to me. But, you know, for other people, it's you see how like, wow, that's something that I should probably know so I can help them. But also this didn't really apply to me. So I didn't even think that I should learn this. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, ditto, because like the, that was the first time I'd worked with female sailors directly. Was uh, <laughs> well, that's not true. My first shore duty, there was there were female sailors, but like in that role where I'm in some kind of supervisory element, like because like when I was a second class, I didn't care what CS three was doing with her hair, like. But as an A school instructor, I kind of had to, so I had to like learn all those things as uh, like as well. Because when I got there, what was frustrating is like everybody's like, "Oh, just go ask one of the female chiefs." I'm like. Or I could read a book <laughs> and actually learn something so that I can help them hold people account. Like, why would I ju- like, what if there was no female chiefs here? Like, you got to yeah. learn the, the regs. Like, yeah, maybe I'll ask their opinion on something if I'm unsure. But like, if it's super egregious and I know it's outside of regs, I don't need a female chief here to correct that. Because I one of the things that I, I and going back to the conversation piece about those types of things, it's like. I always was worried to like ask the questions. And I feel like if we normalized some type of a venue so that you're not in the position of that, the woman in the hair salon that asked that silly question, (laughs) it's like if you're if there's a a forum for or like some kind of mechanism for learning a little bit more about those cultures without having to ask silly questions, um, like even if it was like... uh, like the big Navy did like YouTube videos with like some, you know, Navy MCs fly around and interview people that are willing to do it during cultural heritage months. I think it'd be, yeah. it would normalize it. Would, for yeah. And I think that would be really cool for them to just talk about like, what is it yeah. like to be different, you know, and right. be a minority in an already minority situation where the yeah. military is already a minority in America. And then on right. top of that, like you're a minority in this little tiny group, and right. kind of like dealing with that. Cause I know like once we get out, female veterans have just a host of so many issues that the VA and stuff weren't really equipped to deal with because they were used to dealing with like only male veterans, you know? Right. So it's kind of as like we progress, we have to ask these questions because there's going to be more and more diversity yeah. in these things. It's not going to ever go back to the way that it was. Like it's yeah. always going to keep moving and keep going forward. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I just, to norm, just to normalize the conversation, kind of like we talk about with like mental health awareness stuff where it's like, just talk about it. Like I, and I don't, I, I, and again, I'm coming from my background and context only, but it's like, I feel like for me to like learn these things, I just want to talk to people about it. And it's, but it's like, we live in this world where of especially me, like I'm like the, exact case of person that's <laughs> not supposed to ever ask any of these questions and i'm just like but why not man i'm like trying to learn like so it's kind of i don't know i think it's just, it's just like my you said ignorance before, and it's about your intent and how you come yeah. across and because For two sure. people can ask the same question and get completely different answers just based right. off of like how they asked and how they came yeah. across you know if but you're even, genuine or not even then, and that's why I keep defaulting back to emotional intelligence being built into everything, which I think that I think we talked about the warrior toughness program last time, but they, yeah. they're kind of they're starting to do things that are that would kind of fall under that umbrella. But like equipping junior sailors to to have those conversations, because I feel like like an 18 year old kid from wherever, like the South, like and then an 18 year old kid from like Massachusetts meet in the middle and maybe they're a different race or religion or whatever. And they're trying to like meet somewhere on some commonality so that they can relate to one another. But they don't necessarily have those tools where they're 
able to read the room and have a nuanced conversation (laughs) where I'm not going to ask something stupid. You know what I mean? Like when I was 18, I did everything stupid. So it's like I was like a filter. I ran all my decision making through. Is this stupid? No. Okay. Don't do that. Is this stupid? Yes. Okay. Definitely do that. And so it was like those types of things. It's like, how do, how do we bridge that gap? I like, what would the, what would the education look like? Cause I'm curious, like for social work, like what, so as you, as a social worker, how do you, how do you help people understand that are not, uh, of social work, like, like maybe clients or just people you're providing some kind of educational training to like, how would you, equip a junior sailor that has you know no tools like to have these conversations (laughs) with another sailor from another very completely different background that also has none of those tools you know what i mean i think you just have to like try to ease people into it and make it a part of like whatever you're doing so a part of boot camp a part of the curriculum where it's just like um teaching people different things and like letting people know it's okay to ask questions but then also just Telling people you're going to make mistakes and you're going to screw right. up, but everybody's and- like, I'm not trying to catch a Simeo complaint, you know, like, blah, blah, right. blah. And it's like, I get it. Like, you're not wrong. But if you know, if you offend not. somebody like that, you could it could go that road if they didn't understand the, the intent, which but I a think, lot of again, how we like, learn is through casework and reading mm-hmm old things that happened. So, um, you know, I think that, I think one of the things about like the new sapper program that they have for the last like few years been doing, they've really tried to incorporate like victim stories in there. And I think that helps people kind of understand how they fell and, uh, you know, how, what they went through. And I think just humanizing that helps. And like for us, you know, reading these different cases and learning about different things, you see how, situations happened how you know they handled it how the social worker handled it and also then with our training that we have to do training just like Mm -hmm. you know you guys every year we have to re-up on our training and every year we have new training on you know new topics new cultural competencies new different things that come out ethics issues um like you know they had just changed the ethics um standards for you know using your phones and social media and different things because the world is changing. So that always has to like be kind of updated and, and stuff. So like, like I said, the bones are kind of there. So just continually making sure that's a part of the conversation Um, because you can't, you're right. You can't, you force two 18 year olds together. First of all, they're probably not going to have a real conversation. And, (laughs) but then those things that they each both have and believe and those things that they value, they're going to carry with them until they're a Mm -hmm. leader. And then they're going to have those things that they're going to be trying to kind of like force on other people. So you have to try to change those habits then and really just educate people and understand the importance of it. And, you know, when you're not the majority you have to try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes just to understand what's that like like what is it like to walk into a shop on a ship where there's you know 15 people and you're the only black person who's there so 24 7 you are the only latino who works in this place or the only asian who works somewhere and just you have to be able to put yourself in that person's shoes and like how do they feel And that's what, like, I think is. We had an Asian guy work with us, and they always called him a spy because his phone was in Chinese. Oh, that's. And like, I'm like, his phone is in Chinese because that's his first language, and it's obviously easier easier, for him to understand. And his most of the people he communicates with are probably speaking Chinese. And it's hard to change your keyboard back and forth. 
So, you know, but just those things that people say to you all the time, you know, those yeah. and those things can add up and then they can lead to like mm-hmm. more distrust and more hate. Yep. And then yep. people wonder why, oh, well, you know, why don't the black kids on the ship like us? Right. And that's you know, what or- I, the, the weird, the interesting, not weird, like the interesting like angle, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but like looking at it from the perspective of like, so if I walked into a room and it was only black people, I don't know that I'd care like i wouldn't i don't know that i would think about it the same way that if like a like a hispanic dude walked into a shop of all white people and be like uh okay uh, you know what i mean like because of the different contexts like i've mm-hmm. never i've never experienced racism ever because yeah. how like how i don't know what that would well that's not true in japan i did once but that's <laughs> i was drunk and it was it, it didn't really like register um but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I've never experienced it growing up. I've never experienced it in the workplace. I've never, I've just never experienced it. I've never experienced yeah. sexism. I've never experienced any real form of discrimination except for people thinking I'm dumb because I'm a cook. It's like, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And it's like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm doing pretty okay. Well, then, so I'm and just that like, teaches I, I people to also be defensive, though. When you walk yeah, into that room right. and you've experienced that already, you're already yeah. coming into it with like, man, right. I already know how like these they people expect, are going to. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I already they know how they're gonna respond. I already know how, you know. Yeah. I remember when I first joined the Navy, it was literally like my first week on my ship. I went to mm-hmm. Taco Tuesday at um somebody's barracks room who's still a good friend of mine. But I remember yeah. one guy was like, Well, I asked him, I think was just kind of like, What should I what should I expect? Or like, you know, whatever. And he was like, Well, people are going to think you're lazy because you're black and you're a woman. So you kind of have like a double whammy against you. But like he said it to me in a nice way. Like he wasn't saying it to me that he believed this. Like, yeah, it wasn't his belief. This is. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, I, thanks for being honest. (laughs) Right. Thanks (laughs) for being honest. And I did not not, know this was 1940 that I was going back to, but (laughs) right. Well, and you were saying before, like prior to like the where you grew up and your experiences before joining the Navy, you didn't really experience any racism. And no, until I did it in the military. I did. And I, which grew I, up I, white, I believe that whiter than me. white people in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like I went to mm-hmm. I went to private school most of my life or I was homeschooled. Yeah. Um, I went to public school when I moved to Pennsylvania um, when I was in high school. But for like my un- younger years and stuff like that, it was always very white private schools in the middle of Pennsylvania. Um, And so I never had experienced that where like, I knew that it happened. Like I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, in third grade white kids being like, Oh, I don't want to drink out of the same water fountain as you. Or I remember my, you know, my mom had to come to the school to talk to a teacher because my mom felt like a teacher wasn't treating me right. But I was yeah. so young that like you these didn't, things yeah, didn't, didn't register, register. Yeah. to okay. me and nobody in my day to day life was treating me different. But once okay. I, you know, I graduated and I think my high school had 250 people in my class graduated and there was like three of us, three black people. Yeah. Um, so like when I went to the Navy I was like, okay, cool. Like this is, you know, everybody's going to be normal and we're yeah, young. We're millennials. Like, we're not yeah. racist anymore. That was our parents and <laughs> and stuff. And I remember just getting called nigger or coon or monkey or porch monkey or being wow 
or being called boy or being told that I was lazy or, you know, they were surprised that I could speak well or, you know, people being surprised that I like to read or like surprised of my ASVAB score. For my own faith in humanity, I'm just going to assume that this was like E5 and below, like like junior people. Uh, I had a chief call. One of my girls went and got her hair done and I had a chief (sighs) in ranks tell her that she looked like a chia, chia pet. And that her hair looked like like a lamb or like a sheep's, like a Brillo pad. He said her hair looked like a... And he didn't understand how I said that was racist and left. <laughs> and wow. <laughs> Neat. Emotional intelligence, people. This is why we need this. And I did not emotionally That's crazy. handle that situation very well at the time. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. I don't... <laughs> I look back on it and I feel like I definitely could have been better. <laughs> I don't think I in the same just... place I would have handled that emotionally well right now. Like, I know why I was so mad because she finally like she finally found somewhere to get her hair done she never wore her hair out her hair was in a Mm -hmm. bun since the day i met her finally had it out got a nice little haircut and it was feeling cute in regs like literally there shouldn't have been a question and he really called her out in In regulation like yeah and i was just like why and then you don't and then oh, tell wow. me that you don't see an issue with that. I don't there was I don't see how what I said was racist. OK, well, then I don't see yeah. how I need to stand here. Yeah, anymore. you don't need to you don't need to see you don't need to see it for it to be racist. Like, right. I, and like you, I, I would say like intent matters because it does. But like it was not his, like, oh, I like his int- hair. It's yeah. cute. <laughs> right. No, that was right. not it. Like <laughs> he wasn't a big fan of Brillo pads and he's like, no. oh, it looks really good. It's like my favorite. Yeah. Like, that's just stupid. I've heard people um, say like, oh, well, you y'all shouldn't be allowed to wear your hair out like that natural because it looks yeah. unprofessional. And just yeah. I got called you people in uniform living in Virginia, <laughs> um, wow. just at the grocery store and just different stuff. But like, yeah, you know, and those were things I had never experienced before. And yeah. I remember my grandmother telling me like, you know, well, me and your mom would talk about it, how you would you were raised so different than us and you didn't have that like they told me I didn't have that fear of racism that they had that like, which like I would correct me if I'm wrong. I would assume that's like a good and bad thing, you know, right. what I mean? cause like you're I not think- prepared for it when it happens, but it's also good because you're not like going into a room defensive. Like you were talking about um, with like on the ship, if like a person had experienced all those things, like that yeah, they would go in expecting a certain response. You are. And that's why you already don't like have that trust with people because unfortunately other people who maybe looked like you or sounded like you or whatever broke that trust a long time ago. So now it's just not there. And, and it sucks that you have to try to repair stuff that other people did. But I mean, like yeah. as a social worker, we're trying to repair stuff that happened to people when they were kids and now sure. they're 50 years old. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. in the military, you have to like sometimes step up and say, you may have had bad leaders in the past, but I'm a good leader. So I'm going to rebuild yeah. that trust with you. And that's what you kind of have to just do with your yeah. sailors in order for them to succeed and and understand. And you can feel if people are defensive right. and it doesn't hurt to just sit them down, not in front yeah. of everybody, not make a big thing and just ask them like, why? You know, yeah. what and is I going on? Like- as long as you haven't already burned down that bridge, right, where like you had done a bunch of just stupid and sensitive things where that sailor already doesn't trust you, it's going to like you might be able to recover that, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. But yeah. if you go in there in a new situation and it's like there's something something like that happens, like 
somebody reacts emotionally to something or or whatever, like whatever the situation is, and you're like, hey, what like what was going on there? Like, tell me, tell me. And because that the thing that I worry about is like that, like I'll sit down and try to have that conversation without the cultural context and like not be. I don't know, like not be able to relate and and build enough trust to get them to respond honestly. Like you, you have those sailors that are just like they've been burned so many times that like another white chief sits down, dude's <laughs> like, "Hey, what what can I do to help?" And they're like, "Yeah, okay, she go away." Right, like, and they just right. clam up and and it's like like we were talking about you you and I have both talked to the same LPO that um, is experiencing an issue with a sailor that like there's a lot going on there. So like to to really pinpoint exactly what the the problem is. It, with his ability to like relate to other people yeah. is kind of like it we're speculating a lot, but like the one thing that I I know to be true it based on what's been relayed to me is the, this kid doesn't have a sense of belonging anywhere. Yeah. And so, except when he's right next to his LPO and no one else is around. Like that's right. the only time it seems like this kid perks up and responds because his LPO puts so much effort into building that relationship and trust. And he knows that she has great intentions and that she only wants to take care of him and and try to help him like succeed in the Navy. But then it's like every single other interaction he has is <laughs> negative. It's bad. That it's like, how do you. She's trying to fight this battle on her own. And I'm like, look, you have to fix the sense of belonging. Like you have to. It's not it's like nothing that's going on in this kid's universe is ever going to get solved if he feels like he can't trust anyone around him. Because while you're doing the right things and you're building that trust and stuff, you're a unicorn because every everybody else is out to get him. So if you try to yeah. like refer him to another source or get him a mentor, which are all things we tried to do at first, it's like He's not going to trust anyone. And it's like, because of, of course he's not. Why would he? Every interaction he's had is negative. And he's so he's assuming it. Like you were saying before, walking into that room, it's like he knows that they're going to attack him and yeah. demean him and make him feel like he's worthless. So it's like, I mean, of course, he's going to have that reaction initially because no one has so far besides his LPO has been willing to just take those punches in the face until they break down the barrier. And so now he trusts a whopping one person. And it's like, that's, it's not going to work. Like, and I keep telling her, she's got all these second classes that, um, they just don't get it, which blows my mind for, I, I won't get into it, but like <laughs> one second class should know better by far because he kind of went through the same thing and, and had somebody reach out with emotional intelligence to help him get through a tough time. And so now he's the dude that's like leading the charge for let's just get rid of this guy. And it's like, what, what the, yeah. how do I got to get it's out? Almost, and explain it's this it's to like you? people forget where they came from. Yeah. Or I think I told it, you this in the last time we talked was like, they have that mentality of like, I was treated like this. So you should be uh, treated like this too. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. And this person should be treated normally like a human and i'm sorry that yeah. you were treated bad but everybody doesn't have to be treated bad because you were treated bad right and like i <sighs> and I and people to, in the shop yeah. need to feel like they have friends there and that's something yeah. that's honestly really important you're around these people 24 7 and most of the time your best friends are in your shop the people you date unfortunately are probably in your shop like but the closest people to you so if he's you know if you're going home and you're going to your barracks room or your apartment and you're just by yourself and you don't have anybody and everybody mm. else in your shop is like friends with each other or there's like a yep. core group that all hangs out all the time like yep. you're gonna feel left out 
mm-hmm. you know, and course, how do you tell somebody that? Of course you are. Yeah. How are you going to go to your like supervisor right. You're not, and you're like, especially well, what's wrong man. with you? Right. Like, well, yeah, just male pride is a mother. <laughs> like, just come on. Like male pride is like this just. How do you say, Chief, I'm lonely and nobody right. will be my friend? A like, grown no. man. Like, how do you go to your to your grown man chief and say, I'm lonely and I don't have any friends? Right. Like, of right. course, he's not going to voluntarily say that. And so it's like she's figured it out on her own. But it's just like, again, like sense of belonging. How do you fix that? Well, here's the ways. And like, I'm to the point like I could tell you and I did. I've done this and I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. It's like when I had a kid in a similar situation less less barriers uh culturally or, or like race or anything like that it wasn't that that it wasn't that he was just not performing and so the division was eating him alive because he wasn't contributing and it was like they tr- they said i mean before i got there they said well we tried and we tried to train him and we tried to get him qualified and we tried to like make him like figure it out and he just doesn't so it's like now we ostracize him and destroy his soul all the time and i'm like yeah. that's not gonna work fellas and so i got everybody together and there was a couple of conversations one of which was similar to my standby uh, spin the yarn where it's just like I put all of the senior sailors in a room and just laced them. I was like, look, I'm not asking like you will include him. You will make him feel like he's a valuable contributing member of the team and you will stop treating him like he's a piece of trash. Like this isn't a discussion. You will do this. And I don't like I don't care if you have to like put on a fake smile and pretend like this stuff (laughs) where you guys are eating his soul all the time. And he's the butt of every joke. And every time I walk in the galley, everybody gets quiet like that's done. It's not a thing anymore. And where and like, where can you work that that would be kind of like acceptable, though? Right. Like you couldn't go to I, where I work now or like some other job and just be like, oh, this person is a piece of crap. Right. And like, I mean, you know, like you couldn't do that. And if you had a grievance with that yeah. person and didn't go through the proper authorities, you'd probably be fired. So but like, I could <laughs> I could see. So I could see the the group accountability piece. Right. So like if if you're in a group doing a thing you're all working towards a common goal and one member of the team is not pulling their weight and in this case it was just he didn't have a work ethic he was never taught what hard work was and why it was important that's literally all it was and it took me a long time to beat through his thick skull but i did (laughs) and it's just like it if you're in a group and you're that person it looks like you're a normal whatever that means you're a normal functioning human that's making an a, like just an elective decision like you're just saying i'm not going to contribute to this team so the right. team is going to exercise a form of accountability in the case that i'm describing it's super inappropriate and unprofessional but like in a normal workplace like maybe you don't overtly attack the person all the time like you see happen in the navy but you better bet that group is going to ostracize yeah. them passively and not include them in group activities and you know you're not going to come out for a drink after work because yeah, right, they're not going right. to tell you and you know what i mean you're going to find out about those things inevitably and like realize that you're not a part of the group and by by not feeling included in that group, you're then going to it's going to perpetuate itself and you're going right, to because then you come into work and everybody's talking about what I'm, they did last night and yeah. you're not involved in it. And you just so right. then your whole day just starts off just crappy yep. like you're already I'm just, done. I'm just <laughs> mad because they're treating me poorly. Right. Where it's like in this case, it would kind of be passive aggressive. But like in the Navy, I mean, it's not passive at all. It's just no. aggressive. And it's <laughs> like so you guys are destroying this guy and he's the butt of every joke and you're you're angry because he's not performing. Like, why would he be performing? Why would he want to do anything for you? Like, why would he want to do anything for you ever? 
like and so and I I'm like, look, I know it kind of sounds like I'm I'm asking you to put the cart before the horse, but I'm kind of telling you that like you guys, something's got to break the cycle and I'm telling you it's going to be you. So you just that's what you need to do. And that's what I, I kept telling her. I'm like, look, you've got to fix this perception that your second classes have because they're the first line leaders that are responsible and, and for this and that have the most daily interactions with him, all of which are currently negative. And they're not negative in like they're telling him he's a poor performer. They're negative in that they're telling him he's like an idiot and he has no worth. And I'm like, yeah. that can't continue. So you have and to it fix all, that. It all comes back to the like and that like what you're saying creates so many more issues. Cause then you have the issues with like training and he's not getting qualified. And it's like, well, yeah, who's taking exactly the time to train happening. him if they don't like yep. him or you don't like whoever, they're not going to take the time to sit down yeah. and train a sailor and mm-hmm. really help him understand. So then you have, Oh, now you're not qualified. Well, did anybody actually tell him he needs to do this or it needs to be done right, right now or like or, follow or up with it. it or walk yeah. him through it? Like, I've seen people just handed PQSs yeah. and told, go do this. And they literally looked yep. at it and been like, and they don't know where to start. Like, what yeah. if you just get handed a PQS, you're new to the ship. How do mm-hmm. you even know what to do? Right. Where like, do you I go? Don't, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And like, I, in one way, the submarine force is great because there's almost always like qualification guides. And there's like this little uh, non-qual culture on a submarine where they're they all just you'll see them all like huddled in a corner with all their little qual. And it's like they got qual <laughs> guides. They're just senior fully qualified guys will make these like big PowerPoint slide things or every boat's got one where there's some kind of qualification guide with a whole bunch of really like pertinent knowledge. And this is where you go for this. And this is how you do this and blah, blah, blah. And so oh, well, like, that's nice. Yeah, that part. And it's for primarily for ships qualifications, but for other things too. And so like that, that piece it, they're good about, but then I would say like, <sighs> I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. It seems like other people stepped in to really help. And like, I feel like yeah. sometimes on maybe the bigger ships, like everybody's not stepping in to like help these sailors get qualified. And and like right. to me, if somebody I, I've talked to a lot of sailors who have been like, I didn't realize how much schoolwork the Navy was going to be. And they were like, yeah. I didn't go to college because I can't I'm not good at this. So then it sucks. But if you have people coming in who like had to get a waiver or a little bit lower on the academic totem pole, like you may have to actually walk some of these people through these things. Yeah. Think about like, oh, uh, that's what PQS, I was going to say. Like you those yeah. are some big words and yeah. you know gunners mates pqs or like maintenance cards or all that stuff and like you have people who barely graduated who didn't want to go to college who aren't good at stuff yep. like that now you're just throwing like a 3m pqs and they're supposed to yeah. know like what the hell that means yeah and so like the, i remember what i was gonna say so the flip side of the submarine qualification piece was i when i was getting submarine qualified like i've i've been a an overachiever the majority of my naval career and i say the majority because during my first tour not so much uh it i i came around towards the end but at the very beginning when i was getting submarine qualified i had a really hard time ad- adapting i was getting destroyed by my leading ms at the time because that's how old i am um and it's i kind of got to this point where I, I was attacking it like i do everything and i was i had on quals and i was i asked one day i was in the galley i was cooking the meals i was already very proficient at being a galley watch captain on a submarine and i uh i was like because i had a ton of prior experience cooking so like it wasn't a big leap for me i just had to figure out the submarine piece of it so i asked my ms1 i'm like hey can i go get this checkout which was like go get a signature on my qual card uh 
and it was kind of like I was technically on watch, but like the galley is someplace you can you just have somebody watch it for you and you can walk away. Um, it's and he was he flipped out on me just because long story. He was bipolar and angry and it was just it is what it is. But uh, he uh, flipped out on me and just destroyed me, told me I wasn't there to get my dolphins. I was there to be an MS and shut up and cook the meal. And so I was just like, I couldn't win because he would yell at me all the time uh, for not being a good cook. And then I stopped doing uh, anything with my quals because I wanted to focus on getting better in the galley because that's what he told me I was supposed to be doing. The day I went delinquent on my quals, he just laced me for being dink on my quals. And I'm like, you know what? Like I'm done, and I'm I just done. I'm done. I just ignored it, and I was delinquent yeah. for the rest of the deployment. No one really paid it much mind. They put me on the dink list, and I just ignored it. Um, no one really held me accountable for it until we got back in port, and then I approached like my th- well, it was right before we got back from this really long deployment, and it was right before we got back. It was like all these uh, JOs that like I got along really well with started to hear the murmurs of like, yo, he's about to get in trouble. You might not make it here because he doesn't have his dolphins yet and he's passed his qual date and he's been delinquent forever. And they're just like, what is going on with you? Because like I would overperform all the time in the galley, yeah. but like I, why, so why am I so delinquent on quals? And I was like, the only reason I'm putting so much effort into the meals is because I can't look my friends in the face when I serve them crap. Like that's the only reason the food on the submarine is because <laughs> I don't want my friends to suffer. The only reason. Otherwise, I would be underperforming in here too because eff it. Like I was that, I was that <laughs> angry, and so uh, they're like, "Oh, okay." And they grabbed me, and I I didn't have a lot left. I had like walkthroughs and a couple checkouts, and these two fully qualified officers uh, walked me through and like kick, pulled me kicking and screaming through the rest of the qualification process and got me to my, <laughs> got me to my board. And it was funny because they took a bunch of flack for it because there was all these enlisted subject matter experts that it was like either they could sign it or an officer of the deck could sign it. Right. And these guys were all officer of the deck qualified. So they pulled me down there to do it. And they were, I'm walking through the machinery room doing a machinery room walkthrough with an officer. That's like the biggest no, no on earth. But <laughs> it was like, they didn't care. Like they don't right. work for this enlisted mechanic. So they were just like, uh, you can shut up and get out of the way and like walked me through the machinery room, gave me my walkthrough. And I knew it all. Like I knew that the, I had the knowledge to, I crushed my qualification board. Um, but it just took me forever because I was like, I was done. I, I didn't yeah. care. I'm like, I don't care what you do to me. <laughs> but and, I remember uh, during the, I, yeah. like my first appointment, I went to captain's mass and I <laughs> went on restriction <laughs> and yeah. I ended up being stuck at sea for like almost 70 days straight. I was going crazy. Nice. And I just remember um, one of my chiefs who I actually didn't like very much, but I liked at the same time, like he had a smart mouth. So we would mm. kind of be smart asses to each <laughs> other. But he was like, you have to prove to them that you're not like a piece of crap and you have yeah. to get your calls done. And I was just like, I hate having this red badge. Like, I don't want to show my face anywhere. And he was like, oh, yeah. well. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just remember like getting my um, surface done while I was yeah. on restriction. And like, <laughs> please tell uh, me you wore your restricted badge when you got pinned. Oh, I, I was, <laughs> I was off. Well, like uh, they failed me and my board. Oh wow! Because I, so I did it before it was mandatory, and I was the me and another sailor were the only e three okay. who were getting their qual done. And only reason I was doing mine because I wanted people to know that I wasn't a piece of shit, even though I was on restriction. Yeah, yeah. And I had chiefs literally throw my qual book in my face 
and tell Just me like they weren't yeah and they weren't That's... signing it and like i was so terrible oh, and like all man. this stuff i and want then... a time machine <laughs> so that i can warp to moments like that like quantum leap and just be like what the one i'll be the one that like walks you around and finishes a qual card and just <laughs> dares people like that to say something because it just blows my mind it's like what happens after accountability like you would think just like in the criminal justice system rehabilitation except right like that's right. not it's always right. treated like this you're you've got the scarlet letter on you for the rest of your life it's like yeah. no like i did a thing which I I violated some metric and it was a mistake that I made. Hopefully you took complete like I a hundred percent took complete. I owned it to the XO right. to the captain. So, I'm like I wore my little yeah. badge around. Yep, and you it do, was you terrible. Do, you do that and yeah, and you so you accountability happened. Those those mechanisms were exercised. You had to walk around and wear that red badge the whole time. So it's like. It, it, you were already held accountable. So like, why are we continuing to punish you? Right. Like, that's another thing that I just can't wrap my mind around. And it it's took like, somebody kind of like mentoring me and telling me to like, stay focused. Like you, like I yeah. was done. Like I was just, yeah, I was I like, can imagine done with the racist. I was done with like how I was treated through the whole process yeah. and like just so much stuff was going on. And I was like, no, what? I'm done. I don't care. I'm like, and he kind of like pulled me back in and was like, mm-hmm. you're going to get these quals. And that kind of really helped me get back on track. But it it's so easy for people. And I don't blame them either when they turn into a piece of crap because I'm like, no way. Yeah, I- because of that type of treatment. <laughs> yeah, I I don't either. And it's like it's super unfortunate because then they're just like, see, I told you so. And it's like, no, you did that. Like the, your treatment of them, you're denying them inclusion in this group and organization is why that continued. Because you weren't doing your job as a leader. So congratulations. Like that's that's what melts my brain. It, like I right. can't. And then you tie that all into everything. I mean, like they like I think I had told you Navy Times had done a or Military Times had done a piece mm-hmm. about like, you know, black people being punished harsher and more often. Yeah, than you like sent me an other, article. Yeah. Than other yeah. sailors on ships and on shore duty and everything. So like that has a whole thing to where you're on you're on a carrier with 5000 people and you're on restriction and say there's 15 people on there. How come all 15 people are black when they don't represent the numbers yeah. that is on well, the ship? And that should like, you know, to me, it's like somebody should be asking this question. Maybe. Yeah. And I, th- like- <laughs> I think we talked about it like we were messaging about this this topic and it was something that the Simeo is supposed to be and like. I'll I'll caveat this with I went to Simeo school three and a half years ago, probably. So there could have been a revision in the instruction. They definitely revised that thing pretty frequently, I think. So it could have changed, but I doubt it that there the Simeo is responsible for tracking demographics data for things like awards and uh, disciplinary action Mm -hmm. for that exact reason to see if there's like institutional racism happening in that in the like the disciplinary process or in the awards process like is there discrimination based on race or age or sex or whatever happening in like the awarding of awards is there those are those things happening in the disciplinary process so right, it's like right that this all those statistics should already exist and for some reason and if somebody's out there that knows this and there's a function <laughs> for it and I just don't know what it is please reach out to me and let me know that I'm I'm just ignorant to that but why there's not like a, a process built into either like fleet temps or uh, I don't know, incepts or something where I could just bring my UIC up and run a report 
with yeah. all the demographics data and yeah. who got what awards when and what who had NJPs because yeah. all that data is in it's somewhere for sure and it's, it's for sure in incepts yeah, yeah it's for sure in incepts but Three I don't know I don't if know it's if like it all NJP, under but, one tab though for like yeah but the, it could it, it, it could be it could be. yeah yeah and it should be because that should it because really you're putting the onus on the simio to create like some crazy spreadsheet tracker and perpetually right, update it right. on an operational command where it's a collateral duty like good luck it's like that's unless their primary duty is being are really important and they right. I mean they just tie into so much because like yeah if you already know that you're already more likely to get in trouble you're already more likely to just not have people believe you and treat you bad then you're gonna do your four years and you're gonna get out and your four years is gonna be miserable and yeah and it's the same thing you were saying too it's like you're walking into a situation knowing that there's almost like a at least a slant, if not a predetermined outcome in some situations. So it's like, yeah. what am I even here for? Um, yeah, that, and that's like, I don't know. It's frustrating. And I, I'm interested to talk to uh, that chief. That's the, she's a command climate specialist. That's about to go in a really tough job. So yeah. I'm like, I keep bugging her. I'm like, you're coming on the podcast. I, I'll hunt you down. But like, we're having this conversation. Um, to see but that the those same kind way types of how things. like they are trying to change the climate of like ships that had horrific events is like right. the same way that like the demographics you're talking about if there's a ship that like or a command that routinely punishes their black sailors more or latino sailors or age whoever more than the white sailors like they need to bring a clear man climate specialist into like yeah what is going on here and what is well, the there's issue? There is a command climate specialist on an aircraft carrier. It's her primary duty. There's a chief who I know is a listener. To, if, they, if they go back through and realize those numbers exist, then they yeah. need to bring in a new one. <laughs> right. And well, and or do an investigation into right. why that's happening. Right. right? Like because I mean, on the flip side of this coin, it's like it's while extremely unlikely, it, those could have just been the kids that got in trouble. Like, right. I don't I don't know. Right. I like maybe I like sometimes stuff like that happens and it's kind of right. like, yeah, that looks suspect, but it's it looks you, right. Right. When but you look you into know, it, but if you don't look into you know, it, then you right. just honestly, you just don't know. And there's got to be a loop close there so that when that question's asked, be like, eh, I mean, no, we did an investigation. Here's our report. If you'd like us to provide you with anything else, let, let me know. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. And I'm sure she she is the type of chief that will 100 percent do things like that, which I'm excited to learn more about it from that angle because like the simio collateral duty wise on a submarine is pretty like uh, I, unless i'm doing a, a command climate survey it's extremely uneventful but like for a <laughs> command climate specialist on a gigantic aircraft carrier i can't yeah. imagine there's not going to be some really cool stories there uh, oh, so that'll be that'll be cool to learn that that aspect of it too <sighs> can you think of anything else i feel like we've I've no, I think the- it's just like <laughs> I I feel like it it could be great the navy yeah, and they just and I feel like the bones are there for so much stuff and they really yeah. just need to like but I think honestly the issue is and I I talked about this I just did a um an ethics paper I'm in grad mm-hmm. school at Marywood University and um one of my classes I had to do like an ethical audit of yeah. an institution and I did the military and nice. one of the issues with the ethical audit is you have all these different instructions or manuals mm. at a say a job or a command, but they all mm. kind of contradict with each other. So yep. like you have <laughs> your actual like command, you know, instruction, and then you have the DOD instructions, and then you yeah. have like a sapper instruction, and then you mm. have like 
an instruction for <laughs> pregnant women. And then you have yeah. like, there's just so many that yeah. people don't know about them. And sometimes they contradict with each other. And it's right. always, it's important to like, make sure that we're putting our mission first, but also sailors have to do that mission. So we have to make sure that they're like together and feeling together enough to kind of do that. And make sure that they feel like they belong and they're not being ostracized or not being like harassed or treated bad. And I don't think it takes, we're together 24 seven. I feel like there's enough hours in the day that you could seriously just make sure people are okay. Like, I feel like there's enough time, especially when you're standing duty, like, come on, or you're standing watch. Yeah. To like the, I was talking to, I just, I did an interview before we started uh, with a senior chief in the reserves and we were talking about some of those things and it, we got on the topic of like senior enlisted leaders and things they can do like better to make the command better. And we were talking about all the administrative burdens that are put on people. And that was one of the things that I, I kind of talked to him about was like, how can I unburden my chiefs if I'm ever in that position, right? Where it's like, there are things that I can do just because I'm going to walk around the submarine anyway. It's part of my job. Where I'm, and I'm going to interact with sailors and I'm going to like inspect people's spaces and stuff. So if I have a zone inspection program, which is a really common thing on submarines, where I, I put together the zone inspection schedule and it's got all these chiefs and officers assigned to do a zone inspection, right? Where it's all it's all division officers. Occasionally, some department heads do monitors and stuff and the CONX will do like a monitor or they'll do like a random zone inspection so that like it just gets their level of attention occasionally. But it's mostly division officers and division chiefs yeah. who are the most overburdened leaders administratively on the freaking planet. And so we always marvel at the fact that we can never get zone inspections done on time. And, it's, yeah. and then we like harp <laughs> on it. Like, why aren't these zone inspections getting done on time? I'm like, I don't know, Cobb. Like, you're walking around the submarine twice a day for an hour looking through these spaces. What's stopping you from writing the hits on a zone inspection sheet instead of in your notebook? before you come talk to me and tell me my space is all left up. Like right. just write it on the zone inspection sheet and then the zone inspection got done and then hand it to me and I'll clear the hits during field day or whatever. It, that's stuff just like about, that I mean, where, that's about using your time wisely and that ties yeah. into just emotional intelligence. And I think yeah. that using your time wisely and knowing how to like manage your time is yeah. definitely something like what we have to understand is we're bringing in sailors who are 18 years old. They're coming straight from mom's house. Like yep. all the stuff yep. we talked about is stuff that you learn in like college when you're getting out yeah. on your own and you're learning how to time management. Like yeah. the way that professors treat freshmen is different than the way I'm treated in graduate school, right. you know? So like, but we don't really have that in the military. And like, you have to realize people don't come from the same background. They don't yeah. understand sometimes. And so like you're expecting a lot from sometimes somebody who just is not yeah, able to give sure. it to you. And that's what I was. So we talked about that too, where it was like, he was, he made a statement of like, I expect sailors to act as adults when they pull this uniform on. And I was like, yeah, but you know, like I agree with you. I, I want them to be striving towards that, but it's like, they, it has to happen with the understanding that these are 18 year old kids. Like I know they're legally adults, but they are kids. And it's like, I, at 18, I was a child. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I was a child. I was mentally an infant. Like I just, there was a whole bunch of maturation that happened through experiences and me taking lumps and learning and my chief constantly throttling me so that I'd figure out my life. But it's just like, 
there it's like a finishing school and that's how I've always treated it. And that's why, even though I've caught flack for it, I call my sailors, my kids. It's like, cause yeah. they're my kids, like that's not, not derogatory. I'm not, I don't mean anything negative by it. It's a, a term of endearment. Like I, that's how much I care about my kids, but it's like, it's something that needs to be viewed as that through that like lens, I guess, where it's like there, you need to finish that off. Like the parents yeah. did the best they could in whatever situation they were in hopefully, but then <laughs> they get to you and it's like, there's, I've had kids show up and have no idea what a credit card does and how it works. And they didn't think they had to pay the money back. They thought it was like a gift card. I'm like, are right. you kidding me? Right. I thought Visa just sent you a gift card for two grand. And so like, there's just all these things and we all hear those types of horror stories. And I we had talk a kid about sending money to like India to some guy's Western Union because <laughs> his computer broke and he clicked on yeah. some like you told me malware <laughs> and like and i thought just it was remember, gonna fix it yeah yes and he thought it was, and i when i tell you this this man grown man yeah. sent some guy like thousands of dollars to yep. a, a western union that ended up we traced it to never India, getting that back <laughs> never got it back still yeah. had a broken computer that was brand yep. new but like mm-hmm. he's talking me through all this stuff and he has no idea and i literally got yeah. told that wasn't my problem our sailor just lost like four grand. I feel like that's yeah. kind of my problem. It's a little yeah, bit. It, it like, definitely is because they're in financial extremis, if nothing else. So it's like, you know, right. you but I had to realize and, that like he, he had mm-hmm. no idea. He like I know. literally yeah. had to sit and explain it to him. Like yeah. you got played. Like this is yeah. not real. <laughs> Please do not click on this stuff. But yeah. then that stuff that I, I would like incorporate into um in doc because i did in doc with the students at the barracks and like yeah i would yeah. just add that to a slide and say like yeah. hey just in and case, have that discussion yeah yeah like don't do this yeah. i added in the hey don't dye your hair until you come talk to me like i added <laughs> that in there yeah for you sure <laughs> like that's why we have a female billet in the nmti <laughs> section over at the barracks so that you have a resource um, but taking yeah. all those things and adding them in there is what, mm. you know, kind of I feel like what they really need to try to do. And yeah, that just adds it, to everything. But just being being sensitive to that fact, like, look, like I get it. They, they're quote unquote adults and they have these responsibilities. And if they don't live up to them, there is some kind of accountability that needs to happen. But a lot of time accountability in that situation looks like me being a parent, like me right. just sitting him down and saying, okay, like this is not a thing and here's why, and here's what these, this means. And this is what we're going to do to get through it. And you get them a financial evaluation and get them, send them over to fleet and family for training to learn about what credit is. And, uh, and then <laughs> th- get a Navy and Marine Corps Relief Society quick, Cicelone, if that's what they need. And then we rebuild. And it's just like, there are people that just don't, they never were taught that. And it's like, how am I going to like flip out and hold you accountable? Right. And I realized so many times I can't be mad because you yeah, legitimately you didn't know. had no idea. Yeah. So. That was one of the revelations I had during my first chief's tour was, <laughs> was how do I hold somebody accountable for something if I never taught them like what right. that standard was and how to affect it? It's like, how do I, like if I ask if a sailor's qualified to watch, Right. Or, well, I guess what you would say is like, so if a sailor's doing a thing and they screw it up, like the first thing I would ask, like, are, did I train them to do it? Are they properly qualified to do it? Like, did they understand the training? Like, blah, blah, blah. Do they have experience with it that I put them in a complex evolution operating a thing that was way outside of their experience level and kind of right. set them up for failure? Did they have there's a complete supervision? between messing something up and not knowing right. then like, t- and like, like maliciously. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And that's the the question that I think needs to get asked more. And I think that's another just component of emotional intelligence. Like well, what I wanted to in. just add was like that 
Navy leadership doesn't look a lot like what the enlisted ranks look like. And I think that that causes a lot of issues just yeah. with everything because you it gets whiter and older like yeah. <laughs> and, and manner was, as we get higher up. And it's like I was know, hoping they don't that, understand what yeah. is is ha- what's happening. And like, yeah, they can try to culturally be competent and, and educate themselves. But like when they're when you're somewhere and you've never had a black chief or never had yeah. a female chief or never right. had like, you know, a black a gunner or something like that like these important things a captain like when i was in i was stationed in everett for a while and then we came to virginia i didn't see black people really like in leadership roles on the ship until i got to virginia that's when i had my first like female chief um my first like black chief and stuff like that but it definitely starts to look different and they can't yeah. relate then you have that you start to yeah. really have that disconnect and i remember i got asked by the mcpon one time like why women were getting out the navy at e5 <laughs> because he had asked yeah. me what i wanted to do and i told him i said i'm getting out and yeah. he said why and i just yeah. looked at him and i went through like a whole well, list yeah things, i was but- hoping <laughs> i was hoping that um that the so when Mick Pond that I was hoping Fleet Beldo April Beldo was going to be the next Mick Pond when that came up and I'm sure the whole world does now based on what happened with the person that was selected <laughs> but like it would have like and she's supremely qualified like the, like every every chief I I don't, I don't know her personally I've been to a couple calls where she was there she talked to the senior enlisted academy when I was there um, but everybody I've ever met that's worked for her like universally like praises her leadership. And so I'm just like, huh, I wonder what that would have been like, because on top of her being supremely qualified and probably like, not probably, I mean, I'm, I'm positive she would have done an amazing job, but um, you would have also gained that dynamic. You have a a black female McPon. Like, think about that. Like think about the impact that would make. That would have been huge. And then women would have seen that. And yep. would have said, like, maybe I can stay in. Because that was, like, yeah. the main question I was asking was, like, how do I... I was a single mom, and I was, like, I work 24-hour shifts. Nobody... Like, I have no help. How do I stay in? I'm a good sailor. Yeah. I'm, like, I right. love my job. I care about my sailors underneath me. Mm-hmm. But... And whenever I would talk to men who was my leadership, like they just did not understand what I realized. None of them were home with their kids. They all yeah. had civilian yeah. they spouses. They had somebody to do that. Yeah. And they stayed home with their kids. So when they're asking me like, well, why don't you say, I'm like, I don't have a civilian husband right. staying home with my kids. Like if we go, if I go on deployment, I'm gone and I got to find like, my baby's not yep. just home still with like daddy. And that, yeah. and that was a huge difference that like they That's, genuinely, yeah, and, and they didn't understand even down not to just, like being in the ship, where like you would ask to do stuff and they'd be like, well, why can't you, why don't you have anybody else to do that? One girl was moving and she asked to get off early so that she could go move. And they did not understand, well, why can't you have somebody else meet the movers? Who am I going to have? I'm a single woman. Like you (laughs) you have a spouse who's not in the Navy and they can do these things. But it literally was like this disconnect in their head where they didn't realize how privileged that was. And that a lot of like women, we marry military more than men marry military. So you guys marry civilians more. We marry military more. So there's like that disconnect of, what is it now we're dual military so they yeah. you don't you know you don't understand well, that when you have a civilian stay at home wife yeah and the the other 
like it's not just difficult because of the logistics, right? Where like like your kid is probably at CDC or wherever, and for you to be able like, hey, I gotta leave by this time to go pick up my daughter. And then it's like the other piece of it that is I can't even fathom is so you and I both know a CS senior chief that her daughter is living somewhere completely different while she is on a ship and operational. Like, yeah. because she can't like there. What else is There's she going to do with her daughter? Time. There she can't. And so I, like, it's not like when she comes home after a tough day on the ship, it's like her kid's not even there. Like she doesn't, she doesn't even get to see her daughter, but like a couple of times a year when there's time to like take leave and go visit. Right. And so I can't even wrap my mind around that. I can't either. And the type and of stress bef- that, oh yeah, God. that adds. I, would, like, I miss my daughter when she's taking a nap. Like I was on, <laughs> I was literally FaceTiming one of my best friends yeah. earlier because, um, like I'm going to try, I went out for city council and she's on a school board somewhere. So we're talking, she has a, a baby. He's about to turn two. And we literally were just talking about that, like how just we, it's so much and how we miss our kids even when yeah. they're taking a nap, but like they're on our last nerve, like annoying <laughs> us. Like we're like, fun, yeah. we're like pulling our hair out, but then literally they go lay down and go to sleep and you're like, oh my God, I wonder what she's doing. She probably looks so cute. Like, <laughs> let me go take a picture. I can't yeah, imagine I'm, like just hilarious. not being with her. And that's why right. I didn't stay in that literally. Yeah. That's, that's I, like it. <laughs> I get it. Like I, I talk to guys all the time and I'm just like, if my fiance was going to stay home, like say she was going to be the stay at home parent, which, okay, great. I still don't think I'd be able to like walk out the door. Like if yeah. I had a little, little girl looking at me going, daddy, don't go. I'd be like, okay, I guess I'm not going. Like I, Jared was trying to go to my I, medical appointments with him when I was pregnant. And I mean, you know that I was like dying. So yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. kind of, it was kind of important. And I remember he told me, his chief looked at him and said, well, I missed my kid being born. So like, you don't need to go to your doctor's appointment. I literally wow. was like, I don't even know where to begin. What- yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder why people are getting out. The, you right. Know, yeah. Yeah. That kind of. What do you even say to that? Yeah. Like, yeah, I would. I mean, I'll tell I would have said, OK, well, bye. I'm going to be at this but, appointment. Like, right. <laughs> And what do you even, why do you uh, give people that choice to make of like defying you and getting themselves in trouble or being a human? Yeah. And there's always a a dichotomy of like, there may be some mission requirement that it's like, I can't lose you right Uh, now. No, we were in the yards. I know. I'm not saying there was. (laughs) I'm just saying like in the yes. like in some type of scenario i can imagine that they're like I, yeah where i can't oh 100 percent. i definitely yeah. get that but i feel like in a times where you can yeah for sure do it like in then the you shipyard should. come on and like, i feel yeah. like that's not something you would say to somebody anyway yeah like yeah who cares i'm sorry that i'm not well, gonna say yeah. who cares that you because that's kind of mean but like i'm yeah. sorry that you missed your kid being born but i feel like to me that should make you even more want to help that's sh- yeah and that i feel should like make you want to go out of your way me and yeah. you turned a corner and i feel like we went the way of like that we went through this we had a hard time at first mm. we got over it somebody helped us let me help people but yeah. people somehow turn the other way and like yeah. i don't ever want a sailor to have to go through what i went through right like, like if how I went, ostracized yeah. i felt like when i had when i after i went, and i know i did it i got myself in trouble like i take full yeah. responsibility of that but there comes a point where it becomes like harassment and yeah. like that's I not okay to treat somebody like that the savagery of aircraft carriers there was a damn bulletin board on the quarter deck that had like mug shots of everybody oh God, on restriction your, okay i would just like to say i, I took my picture like, what I have is it. this 
They put your like picture up there. Publicly take- shaming you. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I saw. Like, we went to tour one of them. And I was, well, I'm like, I literally stopped in my tracks in my, I was in uniform. So they knew I was a senior chief. I'm like, what is that? And they're just like, they, I was like the OD or somebody, I don't know, on the quarter. I started explaining it to me. I'm like, so you got like, these are all the, like, you guys are publicly shaming yes. these people after they went to NJP. And, and he just kind of like smirked at me. A bad picture up there on purpose. So, oh like, the guy that took I can't the pictures that's a real was thing. my friend. And literally, <laughs> like, the day I went to take my restriction picture, I had on makeup. And, yeah. like, you know me. So, you know, I didn't yeah. want to, I wasn't going to be up there looking crazy. <laughs> and I remember he took my picture, and that was my picture. Like I said, I still have it. But they, <laughs> yelled at me like i got yelled at by an od who told me like basically why did i look nice in my picture like i wasn't supposed to be looking like i like that on restriction cool. like basically me, show, i was so <laughs> and show I was me like, that in a book like <laughs> and i couldn't believe here. it because there That's, was other yeah. there was another black girl who was on restriction at the same time as me and her she they had her up there looking like whoopee in the color purple and I was so embarrassed as like a black woman, as a woman, as like an adult that that why yeah. would you have her up there looking like that? She's I already on restriction. Like she's already walking it. around with this red badge and now you have yeah. her extra crazy. Yeah. And I can't get past knows. that it even exists. Like that that's even a real thing is so inappropriate and unprofessional. It blows my it, mind. Like it isn't that hazing? I feel like that is like literally. That, what I mean, hazing. to me it's yeah. It's it's at least like um, inappropriate and unethical, but like it's bad leadership. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could make a case for yeah, it's effectively hazing. It's like yeah, it's yeah, God, it's so ridiculous. I like could not believe what I was seeing. I, and I'm just like, how am I the only one that thinks this is crazy? Right, and that's what you're thinking in your head. <laughs> and I never really noticed it until I was on it. I don't feel like my ship yeah. did it the whole time. But I remember like once I was on it and personally affected by it, I was like, this is this is not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we have so we have um, and it's I guess it's a similar but probably more mild concept of in the ship's plan of the day on on submarines. You'll you'll pretty much universally see a list of uh, junior sailors that are delinquent on qualifications. And it's more it, it, informative because like as the duty chief i'm supposed to be like tracking delinquent personnel checking in a dink study and stuff like that um so they just use it as like a listing and and they like publicly it's like a public form of praise of people that are ahead too because they list them as well but the one i i was on a submarine for an inspection a few months ago and there was as soon as you stepped on board, you could like feel that it was different and like just the interaction with the chain of command and how prepared they were. And like the culture was amazing. And, uh, I met their cob and I was just like, this dude is amazing. And we had a conversation where I was like, I'm going to be coming to see you with my qual card, my hand shit, mate. Cause this is what <laughs> I want. Like the culture you've created here is incredible. Um, and he, in the, in their plan of the day where it would normally say like, behind in quals or delinquent or whatever it said shipmates that need our help and it just oh had a God. list and i was oh. like yes like this is how it should be done like i was oh. <laughs> i was smiling ear to ear for like the rest of the day when i said oh my that. gosh like, that's so man, cute you guys get it um so yeah that was really cool uh shout out to the uss See, i think it's definitely like a way to be human 
and still be professional at the same time. Like I felt like that was a really good balance of that where we still have these people listed. We still have these, like, you know, we're not praising them for not being, getting their stuff together. We're still, we're offering them help. But at the same time, you're Mm -hmm. not criticizing people. Like, yeah. And you're just creating a culture where it's not, you're not a bad person because you're struggling qualifications. Cause a lot of times it was because sailors were just having a really hard time grasping an advanced concept. Like if that's right. difficult, I had a really hard time with qualifications because so much of it was so far outside of my wheelhouse. And I just like, I struggled with it. Um, other things like you were talking about like reading, comprehending and memorizing things. Sure. But like, Almost every submarine qualification checkout you ever do, you have to draw some kind of drawing. It's like a schematic with like (laughs) valve numbers and power supplies and pumps. And it all has to work because you'll draw like a seawater system. And they'll be like, okay, this is where the water comes in. Make it work. And they like you show the flow paths. And and I'm like, that is really difficult for my brain. Like it just is. (laughs) So I needed help and I got it and it was great. And but it was that it's that doesn't make you a bad person because you're struggling with quals and, there no, could and be people a bunch of different learn reasons. in different ways and as a leader yeah. literally yeah. part of being a leader is to make sure that the people under you you have to understand like how do this person how does this person learn how does this person grasp information and i feel like it's not that hard to get a feel out for people because that's what your second classes are there for and your third classes are there for to ask them hey you know, this sailor is delinquent. How are they doing? Like, what's going on? Like, are they, and they could say, like, they're having a really hard time with the technical aspects of right. the PQS or whatever. And then you kind of know, but you have to be willing to, you know, take a step back and not take yeah. it personal. Like, somebody yeah. not getting their qual doesn't mean you're dumb and you're a bad leader. It means that maybe you just need to change the way that you're doing something. Yeah. And, but it, it and also, not take it so personally yeah. to where now you're angry because you feel like it makes you look bad. But it it also needs to be there needs to be that ownership piece of like it's your job as a leader to train your sailors and get them qualified, whatever watch station they need to be qualified. And so it's like it's not a lot of times, like you were saying earlier, they get handed the PQS book or the qual card and it's like get qualified and they like figure it out. And and then if they don't, they're in trouble. And it's like, yeah, uh, whose job is it to make sure they get qualified? You know what I mean? And that's so. It's kind of I've had conversations with a lot of chiefs in the last few years where they're super frustrated with their division officer. And it's like he's like, like giving me this laundry list of like deficiencies and how they're not doing their job. Well, I'm like, uh, whose job is it to train junior officers, chief? Like, take a long, hard look in the mirror and go train your divo. Like, I, what are we talking about right now? Like, you think you think I'm not back there spending copious amounts of time training my supply officer? Like I got a brand new baby ensign that's, oh, by the way, a department head also. So that's a unique challenge in and of itself. She's trying to get her submarine dolphins. She's trying to learn how to supply. Like she's qualifying all these watches and control because she does that too. It's like, I mean, she's in the toughest spot of any JO on the boat. And it's like, yeah, I'm teaching her how to be a supply officer too. So is my LS chief. So it's just like, what, what are you, what are you complaining about? Like, I understand if you want to vent because it's frustrating, like you're having a hard time getting them to grasp concepts because that was some of it, but it's like, like that we're good there. Like if you want to vent to me, vent like, and we'll talk about it and I'll try to help you work through it. But it's like, if you're just going to come in here and tell me this dude's useless and he needs to get like (laughs) destroyed, it's like, uh, well, who's useless in this conversation? Like, think about what you're saying chief because it's your job to train junior officers so and i'm not attacking them but it's like you gotta we a lot of times i had to throw that mirror up in front of uh younger chiefs and just be like yeah go back to the chief season what do we talk about whose job is it to train jos 
future commanding officers. That's us. That's our job. Like that's our job. Yeah. You're getting paid to do that. So make sure you're doing it. And a lot of times you'd get, you know, a positive response, but it's just like, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm responsible for making sure my junior sailors are trained and educated in their craft and that they can get qualified all the things. So yeah, I, if I got to spend more time helping them or, or like for like a ship's qual, like a, like ESWAS or like a submarine dolphins, it's like, there's stuff that I, I can't teach you sonar. Like I could teach you like the basics, but I'm not a sonar <laughs> tech. So you need to go get in a book and then go find a sonar tech to help you yeah. with the parts that you're struggling with. And and that's and what be able to tell I love where they, where they need to go. Cause sometimes yeah. I remember like yeah. you would always let me know, like you wouldn't tell me the answer. You would tell me where to go. Yeah. But if you don't even tell people where to go, sometimes they don't know how do I like, yeah. okay, yep. well you need to find look somebody to well, sign. How? Who, who do I look up? <laughs> who signs this? It doesn't say yeah. in a PQS, you know, find, you know, LS one, whoever to go sign yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So yep. like if you're new and you don't know, you have to ask somebody who, who signs this, where do I go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just loved to the, the cultural thing on that submarine. It was like, it was, they built it into the culture that it's, you got it. Like it's about helping them. They're just people that need help. And I can't do it all on my own as the chief that owns that sailors training qualification because submarine qualifications and some of like, even like the ships or the ships control stuff. Like some, some chiefs aren't going to know all that stuff, all the stuff on that qual card. So you need to go to a subject matter expert. So it's like, I can't be the only one helping them. So I need everyone's help to make sure yeah. the sailor gets right. what they need to get qualified. And just to build that to like another cook pun that I like to drop <laughs> just to bake that into the cake. It's like, that's how it's supposed to be. Like it's supposed to be part of what we do every day. It's like mm-hmm. the sailor needs help with sonar and like a, a sonar second class can look at that and be like, Oh, uh, CSSN Smith needs help with sonar let me go find him and he's like on duty and while he's cooking the meal sts2 who's on duty but off watch stands in the galley and talks to him about sonar like it's that simple and that's like how it's supposed to work and that's how it should work and that's how it was working which was coolest thing ever so (laughs) think of anything else i think we've Um, probably (laughs) yeah (laughs) come to a natural conclusion awesome so tell everybody again like so you you got uh like a website you've done a bunch of other podcasts all that stuff and like Oh, by the way, is running for city council. No big deal. So, like, <laughs> t- talk about that real quick. Okay. So um, whatever, like our, we had a city council member resign. And yeah. so there was an open seat. So they put out the information for people to like apply. And then you go through like an interview process and stuff like that. And then the city council kind of ultimately makes a decision. Well, um, they did not go with me, but they went with the school director so now he has to resign from the school board. Um, so now there's going to be an open seat on the school board. So that's something I've been considering um, nice. putting my hat into that. I had gotten actually asked to like throw my hat in the race for the city council because I honestly didn't really know. Yeah. Um, but it's I love politics. I love like mm. the macro side of social work, which macro is like the big side. So that's yeah, yeah. legislation, writing laws, like yeah. being a politician and stuff. And that's definitely what I want to do in my passion. Um, so besides that, I also, um, help women who have been kicked out of the military, um, and got like dishonorable other than honorable discharges. I've been helping them file grievances and to get their discharges overturned because most of them were due to military sexual trauma. So for instance, if you, you know, got assaulted and then gained weight, and got kicked out because now you're no longer in standards and you failed, you know, your PRTs or whatever, your weight. And you get kicked out for that. So now you have a bad discharge, but that whole thing stems from you being assaulted. 
Yeah. Um, also just helping women file military sexual trauma claims for their right. disability um, to be able to help them, you know, get the counseling medication if they need it or want it or therapy, um, be able to just be around other veterans and stuff. Like I started doing this just by talking to people that I knew and helping people. And then it, one thing led to another and it just kind of turned yeah. into this little like snowball thing. And I hope to one day turn it into an actual maybe nonprofit um, nice. just for female yeah. veterans, um, here in my area, there's also not like a homeless women's shelter that gives shelter. That's a walk-in shelter for females to mm. keep their kids. Like our shelter here, um, has a male and female side, but you have to be 18 or older and we don't have like an emergency shelter. So when I was interning at a homeless shelter, I would get so many calls from women crying. Like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't know what to do. And so that's something that's kind of in my back pocket for later. But I keep, you know, I whispered in people's ears, like, we need to get a homeless shelter for women. (laughs) Um, I have a little girl. She's three years old. (laughs) And um, I also am in graduate school at Marywood. So um, my end of my semester of undergrad kind of ended up a little messed up with COVID, the Rona. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, screwing everything up, but I yep. already in graduate school, I keep going and I'll graduate next year. So that's kind of what awesome. I've been doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the, and for anybody that wants to go deeper into the, like the military sexual trauma and that kind of the stuff that she was just talking about episode 35, we went through all of that stuff. So go check that out. But, and then you've got a website as well. Yes. I have a website, um, amberviola.com and it just gives updates on everything I've been doing. Me and my daughter, it also has a place for you guys to like, if you want to contact me, you can send me contact information, um, through there. If you want to reach out to the podcast, I've had a few people do that and then contact me. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Amber Viola, I'm probably going to have to make it all the way public now because yeah, of my <laughs> just make up, make a public figure page that they can just like, like and message and stuff. I know my mom, <laughs> I've been talking to me about it. Um, actually really fun thing that I mm-hmm. just started. Um, we have, it's called electric city TV. It's our local hmm. like access channel. Oh, okay. I'm in a, in production in the works to do a talk show on there. And so it'd be, yeah. So it could be anything kind of (laughs) I want to talk about. Um, Yeah. Do you should seriously (laughs) consider recording unless there's like some conflict with somebody, but like recording it yourself to to do. Yeah. Make your own podcast (laughs) and do YouTube. Like that'd be really cool to be able to create online content from it too. And just like, yeah. Cause they already stream on YouTube. I don't know how it is with like, okay like Instagram, how I can have it on both, like both accounts yeah, like that. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure how YouTube works really, but um, yeah. So I'm excited about that. That's something I've never really done before. Um, I've done like TV interviews and stuff and other right. podcasts, as you said, but I've never been like the host, you know, right. talking to people and, and it's different. <laughs> <laughs> right. Today I was told I need to come up with a name. Oh my God, that is terrifying oh, yeah. <laughs> and hard. And everybody yeah. likes a different thing. And then, come Just up do with whatever a list of topics yeah. and guests and stuff but it would be yeah do it do whatever <laughs> like you're passionate about because that's like this all came from a a monologue basically that my old Cobb used to do on the 1MC right before field day. It was this really like cool thing. He would talk about like all this crazy stuff about the ship and its capabilities and the, how the sailors on board were like warriors and national treasures. And then at the end of the, of the 
thing. And he would use this concept in training and stuff too. He would say, this is our ship. Don't give up the ship. And it was like, I just got that stuck in my head forever. And we, we kind of all did all the chiefs and that mess did. And so like, uh, a buddy of mine was a cop on another boat and he used base. He basically ripped off the whole field (laughs) monologue and the crew loved it. It's cause it gets, it's inspiring. It's like, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, that's where that came from. So I would just like figure out something that you like the things you're passionate about and just like come up with something that, you know what I mean? Like short, kind of catchy fits on a logo. (laughs) Right. I kind of think yeah. I found one, but I don't know if it's like dope. S- we'll talk about it after we stop recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, then, I have uh, a lot of stuff going on. Um, awesome. Surprisingly, COVID did not um, stop my life from being busy because so many of the stuff I do is online anyway. Yeah. So, like, yep. everything for me is still going and I'm still doing like interviews and different things. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm trying to get that, you know, work from home, but also still be really active. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it's so easy to just be in sweatpants yep. all day yep. and watch cartoons with my toddler. <laughs> I feel your pain. Um, uh, awesome. So I will put all of your uh, contact stuff, website, all that in the show notes. So if anybody didn't catch that, it's there. Click on the links and stuff and reach out to Amber if you have any questions about anything and check out all her stuff. Thanks for doing this again. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure it's my pleasure. I'm sure I'll drag you back out here again in the future. <laughs> but I appreciate you entertaining this topic, too, because it was one that I was like going back and uh, back and forth in my head about, like, how can I not screw this up? But like, I love any topic have, that's like yeah. uncomfortable, like growing up, yeah. you know, how they so tell you, like, don't talk about religion or oh, politics. Yeah, that's like all up. I want to talk about. <laughs> all I'm like, yeah. who? what you know, what do you think about this? Like, who are I'm you voting, like, voting for? Who did you vote yeah. for? Like all the questions that people get uncomfortable. I'm like, don't tell me. Well, especially with leadership development, I feel like those are the, that's where the good stuff is. Like that's it the type is, of stuff yeah. that needs to be talked about. So it was like this one I was a little like worried about just because like I don't want to hurt any feelings or offend anyone. But it's like I also just I just know in my in my bones that there's value here <laughs> and that it needs to be talked about. So I like I'm willing to take the risk. It's all good. So I appreciate you doing this with me. And- oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm sorry for how hoarse I sound. I've literally recorded uh, two long interviews and a whole bunch of intro outros today. So I'm losing my voice at this point um, just so I could get everything set up for Bob to to help run it while I was recovering. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I love talking to Amber. We I mean, we usually get caught up after we uh, stop recording and talk for like a freaking hour afterwards and, and we would just keep talking until one of us says stop so always a pleasure uh check her out amberviola.com it's all in the show notes uh you can reach out to her through those platforms and, and social media and uh if you need anything you can reach out to me as well and i can put you in contact with her if you if you need something from her um but check her out support her in every way you can uh she's going she's going places i can tell you what uh and i'm really proud of her and uh, i'm sure she'll be on here again uh, i'm i'm gonna go back to that over over and over again, I'm sure, uh, just having different types of conversations with her, leveraging her expertise and experience uh, to help you guys out. Uh, if you need anything from us, uh, including uh, getting in t- contact with Amber, hit us up. Don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the shit podcast. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Degas Podcast. Uh, you can also get a hold of us uh, at Reddit, right? Go to the subs, uh, our Degas Podcast and our Navy. You'll see the discussion threads on there for each episode. Engage with us there uh, and just have those discussions. Give us feedback. That's what we're looking for. And then uh, the last thing, if you could just like, share, subscribe, review all the things on on iTunes and social media and all the stuff, just share everything so that the platform can get to the people that need it. That's the goal. And it, we need your help to get that done. 
And, uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>